Hello everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Today, the most successful criminals are those that can hide behind the anonymity that the cyberspace offers and individuals and entities across nations, its government industries, organizations and academia, in short referred to as NGIOA, are far more likely to be victimized in cyberspace than in geospace. As a result, the threat posed by cyber crimes is getting bigger than ever and it is growing exponentially. With uncountable annual cyber attacks, cyber crime is a real threat to anyone using computers, smartphones, tablets, Internet of Things, and other gadgets that are connected to the Internet. Every single day, either somebody's identity is stolen or someone's confidential data is stolen, and the victim count to financial and non financial loss because of cyber crime keeps growing and growing. Keeping up with the growing complexity of the nature of cyber crimes is a challenge facing not only individuals and entities across NGIOA, but also to the legal community. To discuss one such cyber attack, its associated cyber crimes, and the legal challenges further, I'm delighted to welcome Michael Doherty, founder and CEO of LabMD, to Risk Roundup. Michael is also the author of the book, The Devil Inside the Belter, and is based in the United States. Welcome, Michael. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful, Michael. So the, let's begin by talking about the complex challenges, the integration of cyberspace to geospace and space brings to all of us. Because of this computer code and connected computers, it adds complexity to not only the security challenges and the privacy challenges that we all are facing, but also the legal matters as the fundamental security of individuals and entities across NGIO in cyberspace, geospace and space is uh, impacted. And because of the connectivity of uh, the cyberspace to geospace as well as space, what complex security challenges you see emerging because of this connectivity that the cyberspace brings to not only all of us across nations, across industries, organizations and academia, but also between cyberspace, geospace and space. Well, uh, coming from a medical background, while I'm not a physician, I have worked in cancer diagnostics and surgery for about 25 years. And what I've noticed is uh, the, the technology was supposed to make our lives easier and, and build in efficiencies and lighten the workload. And we've hit a tipping point because security and privacy wasn't built into the cake at the time. And so now regardless of what industry you're in, you have to have two, you have to be a master of two areas. You have to be an area of an expert in two things. You have to be an area of expert in whatever area of medicine you practice, for example. But then you also have to be expert or hire experts in technology. And if you don't pay attention to your technological backside, it can ruin everything. And that actually happened to me in my laboratory. And this is a challenge for everyone. And think of the small businessman. Think of the 70 to 80% of all organizations in the world that are considered small, that don't have the resources to arm themselves of what's necessary. So we always tend to have this conversation based on Fortune 500 or massive governments, but really we're only strong as our weakest link, and the weakest link can be just one person. And so the small organization is such a gargantuan backdoor. Uh, and that, and then you have the challenge of, of legal jurisdiction. Um, cyberspace doesn't have 
formal borders like geospace does. And so you can literally have criminals in one jurisdiction legally for geospace that, that can just reach in your pocket and, and take your, your information, so to speak, and you haven't even left your, your country. And there's nothing that anyone can do about it. These are these are huge challenges because uh, I don't think we're going to, I don't necessarily know that we want to have a global police. So it is, um, it is on, on a human scale, it is daunting. And as you so aptly said uh, in the beginning, it is just getting larger and larger. And, and we have to really focus on our own individual defense right now and, and really hope that technology creates a solution so uh, we have a better offense. No, you're absolutely right that we all are on our own as far as the security from cyberspace is concerned. There was a time that we uh, thought that government can provide us the security. It is no longer the case. Each one of us has to you know, worry about their own security and take all the preventive measures that they need to to remain secured in cyberspace geospace uh, because of the connectivity and now uh, you you gave a really good example that you know it's not only about getting expertise in your individual field irrespective of it, whether it's medicine or you know any other area or law or any other area you also need expertise in the computers and you know understand the hardware software uh, what goes in the back end and what goes into these antivirus softwares or how effective they are and all those things we have to consider because this influence of information communication and emerging technologies uh, like artificial intelligence machine learning deep learning robotics quantum computing virtual reality genomics, CRISPR technology, blockchain, cloud computing, encryption, and so many other technologies. The existing and emerging law and regulations across nations, as a result, are going to face very complex challenges. So from, based on your experience, it seems that you have gone through some very uh, complex challenge. Based on your experience and uh, going through the complex challenge, how do you see these emerging technologies bringing unwanted growth of the criminal industry? Well, that is such a good point because, you know, uh, the really great tools can ha end up in the hands of really bad people and then they become even bigger weapons. And this is the terrifying part. And, and we are behind. It's uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, um, you know, I, I wish I had a more optimistic view. I don't. I, I Things are moving at a, at a, at a pace faster than a human can physically keep up. And so technology and artificial intelligence and those tools are what's gonna to have to get so sophisticated that it, that it, it really builds, I think, uh, kills the potential for crime at the root. Uh, and, and we're not there yet and we're behind because in any type of new invention or new industry, I mean, this is a revolution and, and I think it's an early revolution. Every you know, the beginning of the medical revolution, the beginning of the technological, uh, the industrial revolution, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and what looks like big advances, uh, you know, today you'd look foolish. And what we were when this all started maybe 30 years ago was incredibly naive so that we would build all these operating systems that everyone got so addicted to. And, and did anyone worry about security? Heck, you just threw it out there and built another version later based on feedback. And, and so, you know, so then WannaCry hits last, last summer and, and who gets hurt the worst? The people with the old OSs that haven't upgraded them and Microsoft won't upgrade them because they're not being supported anymore. These are, 
you know, the bigger picture is a problem because what we're not having is collaboration, even within our own countries. Um, I do like to tip the hat off. I mean, I think Israel does a lot of good things in, in collaborating with their startups. The United States regulatory space and innovative space is very punitive. Uh, it is not being led by technology. It's being led by lawyers and politicians. And you can't have people in the sciences and technologies be dictated to or run by people that aren't expert in the sciences or the technologies. And because what happens is they don't know what they don't know and they get punitive instead of collaborative. We're, we're never going to win this punitively, ever. Uh, you, you're just going to have to be creative and innovative and, and work together. I, I hear you on that and you made an excellent point because uh, if wherever you see, not just our nation, but across nations, everyone is working in silos and the whole background or the purpose or the goal of digital global age was the collaboration and collective you know way of working together collective efforts collective intelligence so that we can solve the bigger complex problems that we cannot solve on our own that was the whole motive of the digital global age but if, if, wherever you see everyone is working in silos and uh, uh, if you look at the way we manage cyber security also Everyone is working in silos and uh, they are hoping that they would make their efforts or initiatives or their projects or their organizations secured by working in silo. But we have so many interconnected, interdependent points that even if any organization, your organization, my organization, any other organization, they do everything within their power to secure their, you know, organization the interconnectedness you know and the interdependencies between different vendors partners and all that if they don't do their job then you know they they make us vulnerable too so without collaboration without cooperation uh, the, it is not going to be possible to do to achieve the cyber security and you made an excellent point that we need technology people leading that we don't need lawyers and we, we do need the right people at the right time in the right positions. But cybersecurity is addressed in very broad ways with top-down solutions that do not distinguish the different motives or goals or approach or processes or tools that are used to drive cyber attacks. You have experienced this yourself the way you never imagined that uh, you are going to have a cybersecurity breach. So in these kind of scenarios, how can anyone protect themselves effectively? You can't. And then, then the sad part is it gets politicized. I, I can't tell you how many CISOs I know that are now being dragged up to the board, uh, but are afraid because they're afraid the board's going to play shoot the messenger. You know, and there's so many people in positions of power. See, the Sony breach and the Target breach and then Equifax really smacked the board wide open. But the board is still severely lacking in education about technology to make decisions. And when you don't have education to make decisions and you just subcontract it out to your subordinate employer, an outside company or KPMG or some big dog, you know, this still doesn't protect anyone from the blame game. So you look at Equifax. What's the first thing they did? They just lopped off heads like in three days. Now, if you know technology, you know that you can't identify a breach in three days. And you know that you can't really information gather what happened. Some people in the media that don't know go, well, we should all be told immediately. 
And that would result in things that really aren't necessary to disclose being disclosed. <laughs> so people mm-hmm. just cover their tails. And then when you build an environment of get it wrong and you're fired, you're just going to have people that are good not want to work for you. So we have to, this is a major change that has to happen in the corporate and executive leadership, as well as government on the country. And it's not happening fast enough because people are in positions of power and they're afraid and they're afraid of losing their power and their income. So when Target happened and we saw executives get fired, suddenly executives cared. When Sony happened and then we saw executives get humiliated with gossip and email disclosures, that really freaked them out. And so um, I think maybe, I do think people then in the public are not so alarmed about breaches anymore. Uh, They're more used to them and more numb. I don't know that that's so good, Uh, but they don't understand yet that this typical, you know, get someone and put their head up on a spike and shame them, you know, is going to help. It's because, again, when in human history have we ever had anything so intertwined with our commerce and daily life be so broadened with all of humanity at such a fast pace we've never seen anything like this before i mean some good can come out of it because it will force collaboration because nothing else is going to work yes no absolutely absolutely that uh, the i i think there are a lot of humans across nations who wants to collaborate who wants to work together so that they can solve big problems they're not looking for becoming rich or you know especially the young people the young students that they their desire is not to make a lot of money their desire is to solve complex problems so that you know the world can be a better place for, place for not only for today but also for the coming tomorrow and that is the goal but you're right that there are so many complex challenges and uh, uh, if we don't work uh, collaboratively then it's going to be very difficult and the, the examples that you give about the cyber breaches those are just the few that the public knows there are there are many, many, you know, breaches happening. A lot of them are not even public. So we don't know the real impact of the cyber security breaches that are happening across nations because not all information is publicly available or they are, they are not made public. So the impact of these cyber crimes, we don't know what is happening and uh, how to effectively solve those problems. Uh, the economists are hoping that when the economic impact of these cyber breaches will hit you know certain uh, at certain gdp level then you know the nations will wake up and do something really serious about this get serious about this but right now they are just looking at this as a cost of doing business uh, digitally so there are you know complex challenges but it, it seems that cyber technology and cyber crimes that are happening so aggressively uh, they are likely to trigger the breakdown in the rule of law. Because if you look at the law, cyber law, especially cyber policy, cyber regulations, we don't have the rapid, the same rate as the technology evolving, the same rate as the cyber criminal industry is evolving and cyber crimes are happening. We are not seeing, we or maybe we are not in a position to see the effective regulations developing effective law developing that could catch up or that could uh, you know work in pay at the same pace as all these changes that are happening so uh, the, what do you see is the state of the cyber law as it as we see these are as we evaluate these cyber crimes happening well what we're we're going to see the big thing coming up is gdpr and i think what we're going to see is a lot of people go 
not ready. Oh, well, take your best shot at us. You know, what are you going to do? And again, because the government, you know, I, I mean, the UK is attempting to put personal um, uh, liability in this and and, there, and and financial liability. And I think we're going to ride that merry-go-round for a while. And I think it'll fail. Um, you know, I don't know how they'll respond to many companies not being ready. Uh, I can tell you that you know, I'm on some corporate boards uh, and I'm a member of the National Association of Corporate Directors. And, and uh, a lot of directors are not directors on, you know, Exxon's board and they feel um, overwhelmed. They the, this sense of, uh, of uh, responsibility is making them wonder if it's even worth it. Uh, and I don't know. It, it depends on how the UK government handles the implementation and how punitive they are. There is a time for punitive, but in this instance, it is it is way too early. And I look because I have a medical background, and that's primarily where my career was for years. I I have a different perspective that I think we need to look at cybersecurity like a, a disease, and that people that are are being punished are that's like punishing someone for getting sick. It, it's it's futile. It's cruel. It's not going to work. Yes. There are some people that maybe didn't take the precautions that they should take. But at this stage in the game, that's not many people because things are moving so fast. And again, I come back to the leadership does know what to do. I think the political leadership has really offended the technological worker because the mindset of technologists and programmers and all these people is not the mindset of a politician. A politician is not fact-based. A politician is smoke and mirrors and perspective. And, you know, it, it's just a free fall of, of, of that, which drives scientists crazy because science and technology has, has a footing. It has, it has a, a fact. And, and so when I know technologists go into the government and they're terrified, they're like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe how much money and control these people have combined with how little they know. And, and I see that in GDPR. I mean, I was in London uh, last, I've been in London three times this year, but in January, I was in a meeting at the British Museum on cybersecurity. And the woman, one of the head women in that office, was, I said to her, have you let people know yet what's expected of them? And she said, oh no, not yet, but that'll be out before the ruling. You imagine being told to get your cybersecurity act together in like six months. I mean, it's, you know, so again, they're focusing on boundaries, but they're not focusing on building a solution. And I don't know how long it's going to take before people wake up on this, but I don't think it can be said often enough. No, I, I hear you on that. And I absolutely agree with that, because if you look at the leadership also, the board level or C level, you know, they, they are not that cyber literate. Cyber illiteracy is a you know huge problem, irrespective of where you look at it, whether it's government or industries, organizations or academia. I mean, even academia, they are not prepared to prepare the you know workforce that needs to be ready with all these digitalization skills or with all these technology skills, security skills. You just don't see that. And uh, even at the board levels, you know, you don't see that kind of uh, preparedness because they, they just don't have that uh, fundamental knowledge or training or the experience to look at it in a different way. Now, even if you look at the cybersecurity, when you see people, uh, when you ask them what is cybersecurity, they are, most of the people think cybersecurity is information security. 
that's what their you know approach is that's what their understanding is but is it really just about the information security cyber security is much more broader than that because any new technology idea or innovation that comes in from the cyberspace it has a potential to fundamentally transform the way we do things the way we govern the way we manage the way we uh, shop or bank or any other you know area that you see so everything is about to change and every business every industry every governance model management model technology model that technology that is also very effective and successful today or the product services that are very effective successful today they all could be disrupted because of all these advances that are happening in cyberspace but people are not paying attention to that so the strategic security that is what imminent changes or what impact we will have because of this technology transformation that is happening in cyberspace what kind of changes that will come and how it is going to disrupt our business our models our product services that is not there people are not think decision makers are not thinking about it so that is a huge challenge across nations that i see even in united states the strategic security if, if you look at the broader risk management field how we manage risk and uh, how much risk what kind of risk are managed that is a big challenge there because if you look at risk management we are focusing on uh, operational risk legal risk financial risk compliance risk these are the things we pay risk we pay attention to but strategic security risk which makes up about 75% of the portfolio risk management portfolio nobody pays attention to that that how are we going to get impacted what we are doing in our country our what industries are going to get impacted what businesses are going to get impacted people we are not paying attention to that and that is a huge huge challenge that i see and not only that if we look at the way we manage cyber security risk if we put the nist has come up with the really good guidelines that's a first step about managing the critical infrastructure security risk or you know broader cyber security guidelines they have given but they there is a huge one gap that i see in that because it does not give we have two kinds of risk one is independent risk that any organization can manage on its own and one another one is interconnected interdependent risk that no one, no organization in spite of putting in all the efforts they are not going to be able to manage on their own so even we don't have a structure or framework by which any organization if they come to identify that there are risks that they will not be able to manage on their own and it it is going to impact other businesses their industry other industries or nation or other nations there is no way to scale those risks or there is no way to communicate that so how are we going to manage this interconnected interdependent risk and who is accountable for that that is a huge challenge i we had a nist on risk roundup and i asked them that that, that question and they said well we have to acknowledge what interconnected that we will have interconnected risk but there's nothing we can do about that and that is a huge challenge that if we don't think about the interconnected interdependent risk how are we going to effectively manage the cybersecurity risks that are coming their way so there are a lot of complex you know gaps everywhere a lot of vulnerabilities arising because of that and there is no preparedness and when it comes to technology transformation the introduction of any new transformative technology in cyberspace you know brings a lot of vulnerabilities and potential of cybercrimes and you know uh, 
the question is, is our legal industry ready for all? No, <laughs> I can tell you the legal industry in and of itself, it, it is an industry. This is the perfect storm. Let me just talk about the law in the United States. Uh, the, the judicial system, the legal system basically has never had a clock. Uh, it is it is self-appointed. It's it's self-policing. Uh, the self a massive accountability problem because self-policing doesn't work. Uh, but none of the consequences of the laws be self-policing have really panned out in a, in a way to, to get public attention. But all the weaknesses in our government and our judicial system and all branches of government are, are exposed wide open because of cybersecurity. The laws are not made. The, and the knowledge of the judges are, is not there. The speed of which to deal with things. Th this is, while, while technology is moving things faster and faster and faster and faster, the judicial system is not interested in moving faster. Uh, slowly and methodically and expensively. And when they try to talk about expenses, what they do is they, they kill your access to justice because they just remove your ability to get facts in the case. So it is a very, it is another uh, profession that can be cracked by cybersecurity. Uh, and, and we have to be careful that it's not a profession that gets to exploit cybersecurity weaknesses and be parasitic to it. Firms um, are all excited about cybersecurity because it's a fast growing area where they can bring money into the firm. That doesn't mean they know much about it. <laughs> and yes. so when you go into a jury room or you go into a courtroom and you're with people that have been to law school but have not technology background and you do have technology background, it can be a very stressful experience because things can be said in court that a judge might think are plausible that were utterly ridiculous. You know, and you still have to go through that process and it's slow and it's expensive and no one wins in the end. There's there's no really winners because there's no fundamental accountability at the beginning. And and this is why I, I say the this whole thing can move so fast that it finally just implodes. But I don't see the solution as to anything other than stop focusing massively on risk reduction and technological solutions because humans are not going to be able to reduce this risk it moves too fast yes and we have to we have to create it more and again that's why i look at i think israel has a really good you know uh, program of putting together the government supporting the care and feeding of startups to let them sort of fly out out of the nest when ready instead of having to worry about being you know, staffed the wrong way, way uh, fleeced by bad venture capital, um, you know, things like that, having patents stolen. I mean, all those things that can happen. It's, 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 you know, it's tough enough to start a business. And we need to do a lot more of investing in, in Silicon Valley in that way. Uh, Facebook isn't going to solve this problem. The big guys that come sit around the Oval Office table that run major corporations, they're not the solution. Uh, they might be part of the solution. Uh, but it has to be the, the technologically inventive, entrepreneurial, visionary person. That's who needs to be fed and cared for and appreciated and supportive. And, I, and it's such huge impact. That's where I think it goes. But, it, but I, get, I get terrified 
by the systems within uh, all these economies that feed off this. And I do think it's parasitic. Uh, where it be regulators whose job to save the world so they got and punish companies that are breached. That's going to do nothing. I, I you know, it's going to do nothing. It can make the un, uneducated feel good about themselves, but it can secure someone's political future. It's going to do nothing. Uh, and the more you're educated on it, the more of a more of a bully you look like. The judicial system has got to, you know, demand clarity and has to uh, educate itself more in these complex cases. It's as if they're not already stretched enough because um, it is a very, very daunting thing. And um, without sounding negative and too doom and gloom, because technology brings us a lot of great things. And you have to look at the likelihood of it hitting you, which still isn't that great. Um, you know, what really is important is 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 the uh, sovereign uh, security, you know, security of countries, security of of government, security of industry uh, is a much greater concern than security of your individual information, your bank account, because yes. that's you have protections against that as a private citizen. Um, but we also have to also then be proactive in stopping all these tools from getting into the hands of terrorists, uh, uh, anarchists, uh, people that are and vigilantes. These, this is this is the hard part: is weaponizing our enemies. Yes. Uh, don't be collaborative. Absolutely, that is the very. It's a very critical challenge, and the critical security is that all nations are facing. And uh, I'm cyber warfare is just heating up and we see all these things happening in, from north korea or and also i mean anybody sitting in any part of the world with just a laptop and uh, understanding about the computer code and the programming and all that they can do all kinds of damage they can disrupt the uh, our uh, critical infrastructure they can uh, north korea wants to do so much harm to united states and uh, our uh, you know uh, other other nations so there is there are very critical challenges that are you know existing and we have to come up with a strategy to mitigate that manage that effectively and if you look at this free speech to fake profiles not only in cyberspace but also in geospace of you know individuals and entities uh, how it's very complex how will courts handle this because uh, let's say you know there are many organizations that uh, pose as a security organizations and then they uh, go and try to do security uh, i mean uh, help the anyone's computer that is impacted to help them with the security response or get their computers uh, free of the security breaches but we don't know there is no way to know whether the the security organizations that are doing all these processes that are working on the computers they are in fact uh, the security professionals because it's very easy for uh, criminals to pose as a security professional and they can do further damage. They, they can steal the intellectual property. They can steal all kinds of data. They can put all kinds of bugs. So the pro broader problem is that in most of the individuals and the small entities, the small size, medium size, they don't have that much cyber literacy. So how will anyone know what to look for? What kind of uh, indicators are there that would uh, give them some confidence? Whether they, what they are, where they are being exposed to, who they are being exposed to, that they they can effectively 
understand who is genuine who is not genuine so how to uh, how to handle this kind of complex and issues emerging because of cyberspace well that i mean i'm i've lived this uh you, you have such a fantastic point i mean i wrote a book about this great segue thank you because <laughs> it's called the devil inside the beltway it's about this guy who said he was a cyber professional really wasn't he was a chiropractor and he opened this company and he fooled Congress and the, 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 the Homeland Security and the FTC and the FBI. And he went about working with them, stealing files and, and, and leveraging that to make money against companies. Then the government still believed him and went after those companies. And this is a massive, massive problem because everyone wants we're just enabling the criminals because there's no accountability. And one of the reasons there's no accountability is there's no jurisdiction. This is a huge problem. There's no punishment. You know, it's so difficult. The, the laws aren't developed. Uh, the people are politically t covering their tail for allowing this to happen. Uh, it, it, is, it is an amazing, amazing, it's terrifying actually that, that, that we are so handing things to people and just running for the hills. I, I have never seen i actually don't even want to tell people how how low skill some of the tech people are well look what happened in congress when they're edu when they've been hiring this guy for years and he's been stealing all these congressional secrets and takes them off to pakistan i mean you know and 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 no one recognized that for years this is what i mean where we don't have to be cyber literate we're going to have a bag over our heads and get pickpocketed and, and we won't even know anything's missing because it can go on a long time. You know, you don't discover breach the day it happens. You usually don't discover it for a long time until something bad comes back. And the other topic on that is, therefore, all this reality enforces the trend of people not re reporting breaches. So look at Uber. Uber has this gargantuan breach. What do they do? They pay the ransom. And do they report to the government? No, they don't. Was that a bad decision? Maybe not. If you are responsible to your shareholders for the survival of the company, look, what's the government going to do to you to help the situation? Nothing. They'll probably be destructive. Uh, they, they'll be punitive. They'll be destructive. They're not going to help you. It's, the system's not going to get better. Cybersecurity's not going to get better. You know, my whole key thing about Uber I want to know is, okay, if you paid the ransom, what did you do to make sure that that payment really worked? That's what I want to know. And if it really worked, maybe that was the best thing to do. It wasn't legal, I guess. Maybe it was because we have such antiquated laws. No one can really say what's legal or not. But these are the type of scenarios you see where, you, you know, we built this environment where it doesn't pay to fess up and because no one really solves the problem. And then you have the masses finger pointing until their attention span moves the next thing. How is that leadership? How is that justice? How is that helping? It absolutely is not. And uh, I say it might help you feel good about yourself, that you think, oh, yeah, beat them up, those bad guys. But that's just making you feel good about yourself. That's doing nothing with science and technology. Because almost everyone's got a smartphone now. Uh, that's just like everyone's been on a jet. But how many people know how to build their smartphone? And how many people know how to fly a jet? <laughs> Very few. So. You know, because we use aviation doesn't mean we're aviators because we use technology doesn't mean we're technologists. And we need to empower the technologists and 
work with them to leverage that 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 information or this is just gonna exponentially keep moving to a very bad spot yes no i, I hear you that i mean we do need to empower them and the jurisdiction problem that you mentioned and the example you give about uber uh, those are excellent that's an excellent example that what initiative any organization is supposed to take to prevent the bigger damage or to uh, maintain the security of their organization or their initiatives that is something you know that will be debated in the coming months and years whether that decision that uber took was uh, the right one and whether it was effective that's the you know main point here whether the payment was effective and whether you know that would that is going to become a trend in the coming years that you know if you have this kind of bridges that you are just supposed to pay up you know whatever these criminals want so there is going to be a broader debate about that but cyber space brings complex challenges of jurisdiction and uh, <coughs> sorry about that then we ever faced in geospace and courts in different nations uh, have taken various views on whether they have jurisdiction over not only the items that are being published not only what is written on the social media facebook or any other or any of the business agreements or contracts that are entered uh, you know in the digital domain so there is a bigger jurisdiction problem and the, the question is that how will not only security but law work out the norms of different nations as to apply how what subject to whom they apply maybe in places at once and what kind of uh, who's going to be accountable whose jurisdiction is that because uh, it, it, the computer server could be somewhere the data could be somewhere else and uh, the contra- the people working could be in some other nations and uh, these are these are all kinds of different jurisdictional problems you know we are going to face in the coming years so how is the, uh, what is the current trend of how the law and the courts are you know addressing this kind of jurisdiction challenges and where do you see this uh, evolution in how we will address in the coming years yeah well i i wish i had more good news i feel so negative about this but i'll tell you <laughs> lawyers are technologists lawyers in this country feel very overworked and very overwhelmed and they have lawyers that are i mean i'm talking about judges feel very overwhelmed and they have to see these lawyers who spin so you mentioned the contract These contracts are to not solve cybersecurity problems. These contracts are to protect the client from cybersecurity damages. So te- what they tend to do is just be articles of passing the buck so that you hold that you can you can push the blame down the road. So it doesn't solve the problem, it pushes the blame down the road. So the congressional and executive branch needs to put the proper policies and laws together there's to be leadership from the top but the judicial system's just going to make a mess of it and try to make money off it uh and and that's more the legal system and the judges aren't going to do anything except interpret the laws and laws don't exist on this so you've got you know lawyers that are profiting from it uh you have to be very careful that you get a lawyer that really understands uh what's going on here because most of them just know the law and don't care about anything else cuz that's just their job. So it, it is um it's political bodies, it's government leadership that must set the tone. Uh the tone will not be set by by judicial courts and the judicial courts are not going to help anything that might make it worse. Everyone's on the blame game. Yes, it Lawyers is. Are, then that's not going to solve a problem. As a matter of fact, it's going to increase the problem so some of them get to make more money 
So they don't necessarily want it to go away. That's, you know, so just know what you're dealing with. Uh, there's some really good ones out there, but there's a lot of really bad ones. Yes, yeah, so it seems. And uh, I mean, uh, the excellent example is that we as a user, we are in United States. We conduct a transaction probably in uh, China or Africa, any, any nation. And the server could be based in India or Middle East or Europe. Yeah. And this could theoretically be subject to laws of all these na countries collectively. And uh, as they relate to any transactions that we do. So it, isn't this complex for internet users who are looking for a simple ecosystem? Because the whole purpose of having a digitalization and digital global age was to simplify and to make user friendly the ecosystem that everyone can use effectively. And, 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 and look where we are. It's terrifying because, you know, I, I, listen, I remember Windows 95 <laughs> and, and, and I remember the original thing is simplicity, simplicity. And, you know, it would have been if we had closed the back door. But honestly, it's like we're addicted and we and it's out of control and it's it won't stop there's no there's no rolling it back the genie will not go back in the bottle and so because we're addicted to this it is just uh, it's going to take unfortunately humans need to feel pain before they really make uh changes and i don't think pain's over um, i do think that I, I try to be balanced about this so i don't around being afraid that the entire grid's going to go down and, you know, we're all going to die and, you know, we're going to, you know, everyone's got problems. Uh, and, and uh, but, but it is important to uh, be proactive as possible. We're so behind the curve. And it's because the people, the, the 20th century um, political habits of the United States has a lot to do with just lying. Lying is normal for politicians. It is normal. Uh, there is no such thing as good and bad or truth to a lot of them. It's just now not all of them. And the ones that come and go get really frustrated with that and leave. That flies right in the face of, of technology. Technology doesn't care if you think it's true or not. Technology is brutally honest about what the what the data is regardless of who you are just ask hillary clinton <laughs> so it doesn't care you know and, and it's it it, it it does not respect class it does not respect power it does not respect any of this and then there are people like the people that feed information to julian assage who love to take those diaries those cryptic crypto diaries and cyber information and just slash it over the world it creates a huge dynamic of tail covering within the government. This is why the government itself, you have to, I, I really should say, there's the, the enforcement groups like the CIA and the NSA and, and FBI. Then there's the legislative groups that, that really are, are, have got to be at the lead and they're the worst equipped to be at the lead because they're politicians. And then you've got the regulators that are just lawyers wanting to go beat people up. Though That's the US government, in those three parts. And the the weakest part, which is Congress and the executive branch, that is who needs to lead this. And they're the least, I mean, the way Congress has become right now, they're so afraid of a hot potato. There's no one in, the reason they're afraid of technology and medicine is because they don't know a lot about it. And you can kind of mess with medicine and maybe fool some people. 
can't do that in technology. Really interesting to see uh, how they are going to actually create an environment and a legal system. Because the reason it's such a mess in the United States is because Congress hasn't wanted to touch it. They've not wanted to touch the hot potato and they just whistle past the graveyard and the next Congress comes in and they keep kicking the can down the road. Yeah, the, that's what it looks like. And it's becoming increasingly important uh, to evaluate the legal complexities of all these, you know, topics that are emerging like liability or digital marketing or net neutrality or cyber harassment or cyber security or internet gambling or privacy or freedom of expression, jurisdiction, data security, digital rights management, criminal content, and I mean, cyber, crime, cyber espionage, cyber thefts, and so much more. Pretend you're a senator, right? And you've got your staff, and, and someone comes in with that list you just take, cut that list in half. Their head will spin, you know? And, and that's it's tough. I, I actually feel sorry for them. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. You've got your the other party out for you. You've got the media breathing down your neck. You've got your constituents going on. You got, I mean, you know, and, 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 and how are you going to make a decision you can't win for losing? It's like asking your senator to be your, your, your surgeon. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's tough. So we have the right advice, the right leadership. I keep coming back to it, but it's, it's so critical. Yes, it is very critical. So what would you like to change? Where you, would you like to see the change happening based on the experience that you and your organization have gone through? And what would you like to, uh, you know, the, everyone to know that how we can effectively prevent such situations? Well, the change, the change isn't simple. And I've learned that the first thing is we have to know this isn't simple. And I do think that the fact that we have understood that, that regulation cannot be um, the center of everything, that, that this is, this is a, a really a, a nature law. This really is the law of nature and the nature doesn't care. The law of nature doesn't care about the law that you, um, the law that you actually, you know, uh, enforce. So that we have to, the leadership has got to transcend that typical thing. And it's a tall order for as partisan as this country is right now. This is not a partisan topic. This is a technological topic, just like healthcare is not a partisan topic. And, and the laws of technology is what's going to rule the day. And the more that we go against that, the bigger the screw up's going to be. So it has to be collaborative. We have to have the proper leadership. The leadership comes from grassroots, like you and me talking, being out in public, educating people. I'm on the board of the National Cybersecurity Society. Um, I, speak, I, I try to educate, and, and, and more people have to do that to understand that's a grassroots thing. And people then like us can get up and help and build a trust with those people. Um, it is about trust. And this is a hard thing to say because when has there been less trust in the government than now? I, you know, you know, we have everyone's so concerned that the government's going to be following us. Well, if you think the government can't take care of us, who is your second choice? So we have to fix it. And uh, they have to become more trustworthy in their actions. And we have to be more educated, educated. Now, the good thing is, you know, the younger generations um, of people that are not in those high position of power yet have been born with these computers and things. And and they might have a different attitude and a better ability and, and not so afraid because they're more familiar with it. But people in their 60s and 70s uh, are not uh, masters of technology.
True, no, that is very true. I mean, uh, the first point that you made that it is a technology problem and we need to empower the technology uh, people to come up with good technology solution. But it's also a people problem. It's also process problem because we need to have effective people processes. We need to have right people doing the right things at the time, right time. And we need to have right technology and tools. And in spite of all these, you know, the emotional burden is going to be there that the universal threat and incidence of cybercrime, people, people are still not changing their behavior. And I mean, there is an education problem there too. And while, you know, we decision makers like you and I, you know, we do our very best to provide that, uh, educate the everyone across nations and uh, provide provide that awareness about the critical security risks that we all are facing. And we try to prepare them. We try to educate them about all the technology that is emerging technology, existing technology, how it's going to impact, what are the risks, what are the rewards, and how to prepare ourselves for the coming tomorrow. In spite of doing all that, the behavior of individuals and entities across NGO, that means nations, government, industries, organizations, and academia needs to change. But how to change that? It's it's uh, impossible to you know rush this or you know bring a rapid change to behavior. It's, it takes a long time to change the behavior for uh, this kind of you know challenges. Yeah, it, uh, we're just gonna have to put one foot in front of the other because it's it's. I wish I could be more cheerful. That it, on the one hand, the sky is not gonna fall, and on the other hand. Things are going to get worse before they get better. You know that 2018 is not going to be a, a big turning point in improvement, I don't think, until we get to the root of the leadership of the governments to understand that, that they need help. And because you're elected doesn't mean you're educated. And you've got to get people that are educated to help build this. And then how do you depoliticize the politician? It's a very difficult, difficult thing. This is why I think GDPR is going to be very interesting to watch, to see how effective it really is. The world will be watching GDPR because it, they're trying to get kind of punitive, and it's good that they're giving boundaries and expectations, but the punitive isn't going to work, and, and I don't know how the, um, the timing is going to work and how patient they'll be for people that aren't ready. It, it's all dependent. They're going to have um, you know, ease in. Uh, work collaboratively. This costs a lot of money. Who's going to pay for that? What are you going to do with companies that would rather just close than do this? Because that's what can happen. And and small businesses are where innovation starts. So you 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 pay a big cultural and societal cost when you start putting those type burdens on small business. It sounds really good, like oh, we just want you to be secure. But this is such an expensive endeavor that um, again, it is where the fact that the governments are not being collaborative and not leading the way in helping, not, not, they're not the center, they're not the mothership, but they do have to be the leader of the cultures within their own countries and within continents and within the world to build this together in their own base so that this can all move. It's all gonna be a lot of small steps to one big step, but that's got to be the direction everywhere. And, uh, and, and we're not seeing it. I mean, we might be getting it, but cultures move much more, much slower than people. And this is why I, I, I'm not super optimistic. <laughs> Sorry to say. No, I, I hear you on that. It's a cultural evolution takes uh, many, many years. It's uh, not something that uh, we can 
quickly you know change uh, so uh, it seems you have written a book about your experience uh, and uh, what your entity has gone through what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners as to the complex legal challenges that you faced and what your book addresses and where can they you know access that book if they would like to read that well the book is uh, on amazon.com it's the devil inside the bell way you can get it in ebook please the fastest way if you're not in uh, if you're not in the UK, if you're not in Australia or North America, it's easy to get it, just the, the, the electronic version. But it's written like a story. It's written like a narrative. And it's really the true story about how the government in the United States really conducts a cyber investigation. Uh, and it's not a pleasant story because it's, it, it just shows who's conducting the investigation, the lack of education and technology of who's conducting the investigation, how they conduct themselves. Uh, what they don't know is more terrifying than what they do know. And so it's, and, and it really is the story about how this chiropractor that, that said he was a tech guy started this company, fooled the government and was stealing files from people and giving it to the government saying that they were leaking and the government believed him one after. It's a terrifying uh, image of the reality of the American regulator today, and they don't like it. But until we recognize what it is, we can't fix it or change it. And it's not good. But I wrote it like a novel because it's too much to take in. If you just read it that way, you have to have a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. <laughs> yes, very true. Very true. And the, there are complex challenges. We all acknowledge that. And I think that is the first step that we all acknowledge. We educate the public. We come up with a collective solution because these are, these are the kind of challenges we want. No nation you know, will be able to single-handedly come up with effective solutions. We all will have to use our collective intelligence to come up with sensible solutions uh, by which we can manage this complex uh, security risk and other risks that are emerging because of the interconnectedness uh, of the cyberspace with geospace and space. So thank you so much, Michael, for participating in this roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on cyber crimes and law and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided today. So even if a single individual or entity is able to prevent a cyber crime or effectively manage the cyber breach after listening to this discussion, this risk round of discussion has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you. Wonderful. So as cyber criminals are technologically more experienced and educated than the cyber victims, it is important to understand cyberspace, cyber technologies, and cybersecurity. Risk group cybersecurity, geosecurity, and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CPS, that means nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information about risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jay Sheet, host of risk roundups, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.